I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio we are just we are just sprinting through july uh the off season is almost not the off season anymore uh charlie's beard you can tell charlie hasn't he, he doesn't have anything to be prepared for he's, <laughs> he's just has this mountain man beard his hair has grown out it's I just do need a haircut <laughs> <laughs> My name is Bill Matz. I am your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, we have yet another fun off-season show for you. Uh, we got some Provorov stuff. We're going to finally get into development camp. We have a lot to get to, so let's just get to my co-hosts for the evening. Uh, let's kick it off with the woman who drove herself to the studio tonight. My broadcast partner in crime, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. That is, you know, for people who have been following along with my health problems. Most not, have. Not a small deal. I did drive Huge myself deal. tonight. It, it's, uh, it's a big deal. Um, thank you for everybody. Every single one of you have picked me up and driven me places. So thank you. Um, what I want to talk about tonight is some dude left <laughs> Ivan Provorov off his league-wide 25 under 25 rankings. Because he didn't get any Norris votes and was surrounded by "quote unquote" elite talent. The same, that. the same voters who didn't know the positions of half the players are turned in invalid ballots. Just, I guess, couldn't, you know. Just, you know, look at Andrew McDonald I'm and sorry, Brandon Charlie. Manning, and you know, how could we forget that that's elite talent? You didn't get anyone's position wrong, at least, Charlie. No, I just had. Thank God. I, we. The, my invalid ballot, which was not the entire ballot, it was just the All-Star yeah, teams. It was yeah. because I did not vote for a third goalie on the third All-Star team. Oh, my God. Oh. How embarrassing. I had, God that, I had that on my, my spreadsheet, but I did not move that over to the email because you had to send everything via email, like, by like as if it was like text document and i just forgot to add in the third goalie that i had to i'm surprised they didn't make you fax it to be honest <laughs> <laughs> I, wrong you should have had no goalies because goalies aren't a part of the game they're they ruin the game that's oh what boy. they do oh. uh, let's get to it from the athletic.com charlie o'connor so just a little tidbit of information Steph? here uh, well. no but that's fine well we could talk about Ivan later yeah we'll get to it it's silly that <laughs> he was left off the list we have plenty of time to get to it's it go ahead fine. charlie uh, so anyway, I just wanted to kind of talk about, about a little tidbit of information that Ron, our, our very own general manager, uh, dropped uh, in a podcast last week, uh, the Flyer Buzz podcast with Bill Meltzer and Chris Terrian. Unsurprisingly, he was asked about the 3C dilemma and two interesting parts about his answer. So yet again, he led with the Jordan wheel to center idea. So we've heard this enough times that I feel like this is... Whether it actually plays out, I'm not sure, but it leads me to believe that he's going to be given a legitimate chance, at least over the first couple weeks of camp, to mm -hmm. show that like he can't do it before they move on to someone else. But seems like he's going to be given a shot. Also interesting, he did mention Mikhail Vorobiev, unprompted as an option, and considering the fact that in exit interviews in April, he did not mention Vorobiev as someone who was going to get a longer look at training camp, it leads me to believe that they liked what they saw out of his dev camp performance. That's the only real change I feel like that could have happened over, you know, from April to mid-July. So that's interesting stuff. Whether it plays out, it's just, it's interesting stuff because it's interesting news that we have and more information that we have from the GM. And, you know, the 3C is the one piece that we don't really know what's going to happen. There's a lot of players that could slide into that 3C spot. No one's really 
a perfect fit. And Indeed. with Jordan Wheel now, like it looks like we're going to get that look. Vorobiev's going to get that look. So it really affects the whole rest of the bottom six, sure. how it all plays out. Because in my head, I've just been penciling in Wheel and Raffle with Laterra on the fourth line. That's just what I... Honestly, it's been like my best case scenario because I'm just praying that Lawton gets the 3C job so Laterra doesn't. Like, that's my, okay, we can just hope for, like, of course, sure, I want Morgan Frost as much as everybody. I just don't see it happening. Even then, you know, Lawton's not a perfect fit for the 3C. No, absolutely not. No, it's just my, and this wheel to center thing is interesting. I've been, I've been pro Jordan wheel, but I, I realized the season he had last year, I think it could have been better given some consistency and role and playing time, et cetera, but Early in training camp last season when they were like, yeah, we're going to try Drew at wing. Everyone was like, yeah, they're going to give the I thought it was going to be abandoned within 48 hours. I was like, they're going to give this a shot and, you know, it, he's going to be back at center. And then it just kind of started to build steam. And all of a sudden, Claude Drew, you know, MVP caliber left winger. So maybe they're going to try to find, uh, much again, much smaller scale, different. I'm just Maybe they'll find something in, in Jordan Wheel at center. Yeah, I think there's a, I'm oh, sorry, Kelly, go ahead. I was going to say, don't you think it's easier for a center to move to wing than a wing to move to center? Uh, yes. yeah. Ab- center is just a more demanding position. Yeah. I, I would say. I, I, I'm kind of, I'm not for this Jordan Wheel at center thing. The thing with Wheel, though, is that it's not like they're taking a guy who's a natural wing and moving him to center. He's played center everywhere True. except the NHL. So, you know, we may look at him as a wing because that's what we've seen him, but they've watched him play center in juniors, watched him play center in the AHL. So he it's not as if he's learning a new position. He's just seeing if what he did well at the lower levels can translate to that position in the NHL. Um, what was I going to say? The thing that, that leads me to believe that this might be why they're doing it is because I think there's a... I, I get the impression there's a, a worry with Wheel that, like, he has to be in the top nine. Like, I'm perfectly fine with him being a fourth-line wing, but I'm, I wonder if the Flyers are, or if the Flyers are like, well, if he's not in the top nine, he's got to be a scorer. Well, yeah. the thing is, is that they have so many good wings now that I don't know if there's room for him to be a top nine wing if Limblom makes the team, and if we, we're expecting he's going to. So what spot does that leave open? That leaves open the 3C spot in the top nine. So maybe they're just sort of hoping that that's the way he stays in the top nine. And that's, uh, like we always talk, I always say, let's just stop numbering the line. And for like, you know, and but, but they, they do that, they do. They think of, well, you know, we want you know, Chris Vandevelde at fourth line wing, and it can't be Jordan Wheel. Where it's, well, I mean, Jordan Wheel against other fourth liners would probably put in like eight goals, which is it's how many good. he scored this year. All like that would be a fine number if he only played eight minutes a game, it would be great. Uh, a lot of eights there, but yeah, I, I'm I just want to see what happens with Wheel. He's just a guy that we haven't really figured out what he is yet and what he is is probably a bottom sixer with some skill but let's see and if he can take over that that 3c role as Steph said like my best case scenario is Scott Lawton and he is obviously not a perfect fit for for that role well let's see if Jordan Real can do it because he's a little bit more skilled maybe have the puck on a stick a little more give him a little more responsibility and you'll get more out of it last but not least the fly by herself Kelly Hinkle so Steph kind of mentioned it, but it's starting to be 25 under 25 season across the NHL writing community. And so we are kicking off ours on broadstreethockey.com. Hopefully you've gone and voted for your own list of 25 under 25. But I did my ranking today, spent an entire hour doing it. And then at the end realized that I left Sam Moran off. And I kind of wish I had just left him off instead of redoing it because I feel like it was the universe telling me something. It's he's such a curious case. I hate him. I'm, <laughs> I've I've the problem. I mean, had such enough of Sam. I know I have been what one did of the he ever do to you. I, I, he got I, taken entirely too high in the draft is what he well, did. Well, then hate Scott Lawton too. I feel like I this might. is in all honesty, Steph. This is no different than your hatred of like teams that are good every year but don't win the Stanley Cup. It's sort of like you're sick of yeah, hearing. They're not mine. You're sick of hearing about the San Jose Sharks. Kelly is God, sick of I'm hearing so about Sam Moran. Sam Moran is the San Jose Sharks of the Flyers' defensive no, I, prospect. I like court. it. I really like. I have been a wolf. I have been a proponent of Sam Moran for quite some time. I just want to see him in the NHL. I just want to see if it works or not. Because until I see it, I won't know. 
and I'm a little optimistic because I think there is room for a Sam Moran in the NHL. There is Sam Moran, room for Sam Moran on this team. Uh, absolutely. Unfortunately, we won't be seeing it until at least the second month of 2019. Yeah, I mean, they, have pre- they have pretty high ceilings. Like, there's room. Yeah, I, would like, I would like to hot tub time machine our way back to four years ago and trade him for picks. <laughs> And take just, who? And take who instead? Who would you have taken instead of Sam Moran? Well, depend in that draft. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to pull it up, and we don't have any internet. <laughs> That's good a point. good point. <laughs> Rista Linen went before him, right? Yeah, I, th- I think the the big guy who I would like in retrospect would have wanted more is Josh Morrissey. But even he's like he's good. He's not like I mean, it amazing. wasn't a great draft. It wasn't a great draft. No, I just want someone. It's I, not his fault that the idiots took him before he should have gone. But I do it's not. Like, but I've. I you do need to it. see him more than four times. Yeah, Does he play four I'm NHL games? Off, yep. I, no, I'm not ready to write him off. I'm just I like am. I am a little. I am a big Sam Moran fan, but I am like, come on, <laughs> How, like he's just one of. Like, I've been hearing about him forever. I've seen him for like 25 minutes total. Yes. You know, like I just want to see him. <laughs> I'm going to fight you all. I like the guy. I just doofus. Like, I I understand leaving him completely off the list because he is an afterthought at this point. He didn't. He didn't. Leaving him completely off the list, but have players that haven't played a second of NHL time uh, on it instead. Maybe. Yeah, potential I, means potential. nothing until you show me what you can do. He hasn't shown nothing. anyone what he can do. He's Since played, right, he's played in multiple NHL games. Multiple, you know, four. Four, I think. <laughs> it might be less. It might be two or three. No, it's it's four it's like is four more than five, one, so it is in fact multiple. But I, you know, I just want to just be here. I just, yeah, just be here. I would leave him off the list simply because because you're emotional i'm never gonna emotional men can't trust him with anything because he's probably never gonna play in the nhl here yes he is like he'll play for some other nhl team no probably not the philadelphia flyers he'll play when someone's hurt if he's not hurt if he's sure yeah yeah Yeah. he'll play here phil myers is gonna jump him maybe maybe speaking of dudes who can't stay healthy maybe and he went undrafted. Like, there was no so investment that, in that him. That has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that he can't stay healthy. It does He's another do guy that can't well, stay healthy. It has to do with the fact that if he doesn't pan out, you lost nothing. Okay, I'm talking about how he may not jump him because he may not get on the ice. I mean, if he, he gets... played 66 minutes in a hockey game <laughs> yeah. this season. How many games did he play this season? Again, like, no internet. Probably like 70 Oh, he missed he played, a lot more than that. No, he played. He, he, he played like fifty something in the AHL, and then he had a bunch of playoff games. So yeah. I, I would think around like the seventy range. He got hurt, I think, towards the end of the season. No, and he wasn't. He was hurt the, the, during most of the season. No, he missed. No, he, wasn't. he missed like a month, I think, right. in January, and then he missed like the final seven or eight games of the right of the regular season, and then came back in the playoffs. But yeah. I think he still played like fifty something games in the regular season, and then like. 15 or 16 in the playoffs. I'm using games. my data, you guys, because I'm, I'm <laughs> Sorry, angry Steph. about this. <laughs> you with your hot spot won't look it up. So oh, I, look I, it up. Just, I just got it. He played 50 games. But does that include playoffs? No. I just have to tell. Why, why the fuck are you saying no? I, he I, did I, it when you're not even looking at what I'm because looking at. I remember I read Brad's thing today. <laughs> I just have to I tell everyone. Remember. I have to tell everyone listening that if you get a chance like this week, after you vote, after you put in your ballot for the top 25 under 25. He played 63 games. Go go right to your local movie theater and oh, watch. No. Watch. Sorry to bother you. Is it good? It is so freaking good. It is the best movie I have oh, seen God. in so get, long. Get the fuck out of here with this so movie garbage. Much, what is this? Are they oh, paying us? I don't want to hear about it. Okay. It's not this Beauty and the Beast. I'm sorry. This isn't the everything but hockey show yet. <laughs> yeah. Go see. <laughs> go see. I'm sorry to bother you. Excellent. How I do have I do have an issue with people who aren't getting paid uh, advertising things. Almost every beat reporter today in the Philadelphia, I say almost because we are joined by one who did not, and for that I am proud. Uh, (laughs) Almost every beat reporter, uh, Philadelphia Flyers beat reporter today, retweeted or tweeted about the press release of the Stadium Series logo. Now, the fact that there was a press release for a logo to begin with is hilarious, but this boils down to nothing but an advertisement. 
That's what it is. It's an advertisement. Why? What is in it for the journalists who tweeted about it? And I say that because I, I want to give Charlie credit. Charlie, not only uh, is the athletic very good and you're great at what you do, your stories aren't, you know, quote dependent, but when you do ask questions, they're good. All the stuff. I am a fan of yours, Charlie. Right. Right. However, Let's the most. Like, get, remove your head from his the most, <laughs> the most down. The most proud I've ever been is seeing that you didn't tweet this goddamn logo press release today and an explanation. Oh, you see the D has the Liberty Bell in it because <laughs> it's going to be in Philadelphia. It's a keystone. Home of the Liberty Bell. If you see the frame, it's a keystone and this is the keystone state rivalry. It's very important that the mountains turn blue before you open your Coors Light. And there's no, not a team name anywhere to be found. It's Coors Light <laughs> Stadium Series. Thanks, friends. It was just the dumbest shit I've ever seen and I just don't understand what's in it for anybody retweeting it. Well, there's like, literally why? nothing in happening. In fairness, <laughs> most press releases are advertisements. Yeah. No. yeah. And this is for a logo. What is in it for the supposed journalists tweeting about it? It's an advertisement. It's content. It's content. Is it? Yeah. It's something to tweet. Is it content? Interactions on the old Twitter timeline. Like, I, is that what is that what sports writing is now? Uh, yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes I was is. just I was just blown away by the amount of engagement this got. I'm like, it's a press release about a logo. Broad Street Hockey also did not produce any content around this fucking logo. For so, the record, as we've mentioned a few times now, it's 25 under 25 season. So we want to take a little look at some of the locks, I guess, the expectations for the kids on this team uh, coming into what is a a very important year for the Flyers. It is Ron Hextall, by signing James Van Riemsdyk, has basically said... Hey, it's time to it's time to turn the corner. It's time to get going. It's time for all the kids we've been talking about now to really be a big part of this team. And if you know you're looking, it's I was thinking about it today, like the JVR signing, and we'll get to it when we talk about Nolan Patrick. But number two overall picks taken ten years apart. Yeah, for oh, this yeah. are gonna play together for this team, and it's it's I hadn't even it's really wild that. to think about. Like, imagine that coming true in Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, we traded someday. the guy. Sure, we traded the guy away for six years so we could have Luke Shen. But you know. actually, would, I mean, I don't think there's any way that the Devils don't lock up Taylor Hall. But it would kind of be funny if Taylor Hall did hit free agency when his contract expires and Edmonton like offers him like twelve million dollars a year. To That'd come be awesome, back. actually. That's not <laughs> what I hope happens. That he like robs them and then retires. Like. That would be absolutely great. So I guess we should start with, uh, of the kids who are locks, the, and the expectations for these really good youngsters who've already shown us quite a bit. There's nobody, I assume, there's nobody that's even going to challenge Ivan Provorov at the top of the top 25 under 25 list for BroadStreetHockey.com, which no. we'll be putting out in the future as soon as we all fill ours out and all that stuff. Ballots um, are due this Friday. Ballots are due this Friday. So I just... Now that Ghost is gone, not or not gone, but he's surpassed the he's age limit. He's aged out. Yeah. And Sean Couturier is aged out. Would have been super interesting to see if Couturier was still eligible, yeah. who would win, especially after Couturier's. Like I, I would as much as I like Provorov, I would put Couturier number one I after this too. year. But like Yeah. He you know, Provorov kinda jumped him a little bit. I think they they tied the last time, but like it was very clear that Provorov was the guy on the up and up and Couturier was sort of getting caught. And then Couturier made his big of jump. Course, he just yeah. happened to do it and now after he, he turned twenty five. And now he is aged out. Yeah. So I guess that's where we'll start is with Ivan Provorov and as Steph, before I interrupted her, was getting to with this league-wide top, the my draft analysis. I don't even remember the name of the site. Does anyone hockey website? Yes, I don't know. It's just, just you know, dad's some some curve, dude dot com or <laughs> I thought, I thought no, I thought it was like. I don't know. I don't know. But Ivan Provorov... The scoring something. I don't Ivan know. Provorov was left off the top of a league-wide top 25 under 25 list. Why again, Steph? Because he didn't get any Norris votes. Norris or all-star votes. Or all-star votes. And because he was <laughs> surrounded by elite talent. Didn't he get some, like, second or third place Norris? No, no Ghosted. Oh, Ghosted. Ghosted. Sorry. And yeah. we all went, wait. If, if Ghost, Ghost was got in, votes... Ghost was in the top 10. Yeah, Ghost if, was 10th, I believe. And, yeah. Provorov well, outscored him and played on the penalty. Well, goal. I mean, he outgold him. Yeah. Goes significantly outscored him. Uh, sure, 
because of his power play time, which yeah. is yeah. part of it. He scored more goals. And, uh, yes, I mean, Ghost also, is, Ghost is Ghost a is, more offensive Ghost player. is an elite puck-handling defenseman. He should. I'm... Provorov had more goals and killed penalties, and these people usually vote on, well, the best defenseman has to kill penalties. Like, that just a shock to me that because Ghost doesn't kill penalties, he got votes. But that's neither here nor there. What is important is our expectations for Ivan Provorov. I would rank him number one of the Flyers, top 25 under 25. I'd say he's probably their most important player at this point because number one defenseman is that thing they've been chasing forever. Yeah. Uh, they had... You know, Eric Desjardins for some time. They had Chris Pronger for basically one healthy season. But for most of my lifetime, they have been without this number one guy. And that's who he is. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to saying he's surrounded by elite talent. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, Shane Gostaspare is that. Um, but that's not how it's been for his entire career. I mean, it, it's not even how it was for the entire last season. Yeah. So I, I think that. That was short-sighted of bro dude number five, whatever the fuck his name is. I don't know. Um, but Ivan Provorov is our number one defenseman at 21 years old. His second year in the league. What I need to see out of him is a little bit more growth, um, being able to get back and, and clean up some of the mistakes that he makes. But... The fact that he plays with ghosts gives him a lot more freedom to make mistakes. One of them is going to figure it out. It'll be fine. But I, I need to see a little bit more from him in that. You know, all that being said, he's still my number one. He's yeah. my number one, 25 under 25. And yep. with the elite talent thing, I looked it up just his five on five minutes. While he did play a considerable number of minutes with Shane Gostas Bear. He still played about half of his five-on-five five minutes with either Haig or McDonald. Yeah. yeah. So, and he played like, most of his first year with McDonald. Yeah, he yeah. played oh, pretty much, yeah, his whole – that was because one part of the guy's reasoning was, oh, well, Wierenski has Panarin and Provorov has Couturier and Drew and Voracek. I'm like, all right, Couturier wasn't considered elite until this year. He's like, and Wierenski had the better rookie year. I was like, yes. Like, look, he was <laughs> – Provorov was paired with Andrew McDonald. He's a third-pair defenseman. It's also like – Look, if you're on a top pair, you know, you do get to play more with the best forwards on your team. That's sort of the point. But kind of what comes with that is that you also play against the top forwards on the other team. So in a way, it balances itself out. And part of the reason why those forwards look so good is because they had really good defensemen getting yeah. in the puck. And Provorov was part of that. So unless you're saying that, like, Gosses Bear is significantly better than Provorov, and while I think there's a case that Gosses Bear is better than Provorov, it's they're pretty damn close in terms of, of like five on five value. The interesting, the interesting thing to me about Provorov is like he's 21 years old, and I view him already as like a good number one defenseman yeah. on a team, yep. which is great. Like that is an awesome thing that the Flyers at 21 already have a guy who is a good number one. My question is. Can he become a great number one? Can he become an elite number one? I don't think he's there yet. But the fact that he's already a good, like an above average number one defense with the NHL about this young of an age, it gets you excited of like, okay, well, when he's 24, what's he going to be? That's the, if he takes the step forward this year that he took from his rookie year to his sophomore season, wow, you have something really, sp then it's, oh, what is this kid going to be? Like, how high is his ceiling really? Because we all think, yeah, number one defenseman, but if he grows the way he did last season, it could be something really special. And Yeah. Me, yeah go ahead. I was just going to say, with Ghost and Couturier off of this list now, I mean, there's just no arguing who the most important player under 25 is on this team. Like, it's not even a contest at this point. I mean, there there could be a point at which Carter Hart challenges him for that title in, in the next couple of years if he ends up being as good as we hope he is. But for now and for the foreseeable, I mean, Ivan Provorov is going to top this list from now until he's 25. I think, yeah. there, I think there's a chance that Nolan could, could push yeah. him. But yeah, it, it, it just depends on what happens in the next couple of years. Because, look, look. I guess it would also depend uh, on how you decide to rank. Yeah, like guys. a number one defense is super important. A number one center is more important. Mm. And, yes, he will always be behind Couturier most likely. But if the Flyers have two number one yeah. centers, then Nolan Patrick is probably more valuable than I'm oh, I don't know. You don't want to have too many good centers, Yeah, Charles. you have to trade one, right? Yeah, yeah. you can't have yeah. two number one centers. That's, That's bad. And 
Like, <laughs> while, yes, if that top line stays the way it is, Drew, Couturier, Konechny is very good. Like, the idea of, like I, I said earlier, if JVR is playing with Patrick and Jake Voracek, that's a number one line in a lot of places. Oh, yeah. That's a very good top mm. line. Yeah, it's not bad. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty good. One thing I will say is while I blame Ian LaPerriere for the penalty kill, because we've watched it, it's it's him. Yeah. Um. If Ivan Provorov is going to be one of these Norris guys, I think he needs to be better on the penalty kill. That's just, it's a small thing, but this team is so bad on the penalty kill that it's losing them games. They lose because of how bad their penalty kill is. They should have been much better. Like, their record could have been better this year. Just all those overtime losses, cut them in half. Oh, yeah, we gave up fewer you know, penalty kill goals, and all of a sudden you know, we win a few more one-goal games, and those one-point games are two-point games, and we were first in the division, and we got to pick. We got to play the fifth seed instead of the second seed. Like, I, it's, it's very maddening how bad this penalty kill is, and that's something I'd like to see him improve because he's our number one defenseman. It's the whole team and the, P, and the PK coach and the head coach. It's all of them, but he's the number one defenseman, so I'd like to see him take charge of that you know there's there's something about the pk where i think they're being coached to not be in the crease i think they're being coached to be nowhere near the net because none of them are ever and i think that that's absolutely insane yeah i think there's a i've I've said this a couple times i think there's a an emphasis placed upon blocking shots over over clearing the crease and my problem with it is, like, sometimes it leads some really stupid goals. There's a guy just left wide open in front of the crease. My bigger problem with it is that when they fail to block the shots, they screen their goalies, and then the goalies look worse than they are because they can't see the shot because they, if they didn't, if if the guy, you know, just because you cut down a lane, you're you're blocking guys who are the best of the best at shooting. So yeah. sometimes they miss you, and then the puck then is not able to be seen by the goalie until it's like right in front of them. And they and then, use you as the a screen yeah. and it deflects and just bounces to a guy next to that. There is a time and place for defensemen to block shots. As a primary strategy, it bothers me. Wingers up, wingers up at the top, absolutely try to get in those lanes, don't let the shots reach. But... A blocked shot down low is also a deflection. Like, yeah, it didn't. That shot itself yeah. didn't get to the net. But if it bounces off your shin pads and goes right to a dude wide open because you left him to block the shot, what? I just you already don't have enough guys out there when you're on the PK. What, leaving someone open to I, I, it just bothers me. I, I think the biggest because you mentioned the PK. I think the biggest things that Proveroff needs to improve upon are actually special teams as a whole. Mm-hmm. Because I agree that on the penalty kill, it's hard to know how much of it's him and much of it's coaching, but he could be better there. And then on the power play, he's you know not to say he's the reason why the second unit's been bad, but he hasn't helped. And it's funny because the kind of the way I look at it with power play defense, but obviously goes as number one. He's he's on your top unit, no problem. If you're looking to just win games next year, I think Travis Sanheim is a better fit on the second unit than Pro. I think Travis Sanheim right now is a better power play defenseman than Ivan Provorov. However, I don't know if I want to give up on Provorov as a power play defenseman because I want like in five years him to be really good on the second unit. Yeah, I right now if it's me. Both Provorov and Sandheim are on the second unit, which is fair because yeah, they yeah. don't have enough. They don't yeah. have enough good power play forwards. Gotta like, get Sandheim in the lineup, fam. <laughs> yeah, I oh yes, that is a major concern still. Uh, NHL.com, I think yesterday put out. Um, it, they've been doing this like revamping or resetting, whatever franchise reset. Oh yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. it, the I think yesterday was the Flyers, and they're talking like the two big ads, JVR and Christian Folan. Yeah. But then they showed the projected lineup. They're like, it adds depth, and there right, aren't right, many right. righties. Well, they were the only guys they actually yeah, added. Yeah, and these are the so. only guys they added, so everyone else gets two pictures. The Flyers do, too. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, the projected lineup did have uh, Folan as the extra. Folan yeah. as the seven. So... Uh, I, I'm gonna, logically, that's how I'm, it will shake out. I am however. optimistic about Sandheim until proven otherwise. But we're going to get to And Sandheim we're going to get there. So we're going to we'll, get, we'll, we'll get there. But let's go with TK. Here a we guy go. who, uh, you know, after that rookie year, people, I, I think the treatment of of Travis Konechny is the number one thing that soured people yeah. on um, 
on Dave Hackstall. Uh, that and no, Ghost. Ghost. Yeah, but, like, Ghost, I think, was ahead of but, the game. But, but Connect Ghost, goes up there. Ghost fan, uh, both of them find their way back into the lineup, and both of them are, are doing their thing. And uh, Ghost didn't have a great year, but they're back They're back in and in the lineup, and then all of a sudden, Travis Konechny is playing with Belmore and Vandevelde. And I think that's when people went, like, okay, fuck this guy. Like, I think people just threw their hands up and said, this coach is a moron. I honestly do believe Travis Konechny was worn down at the end of that season. And it was like, you're clearly one of our 12 best, but you just don't have the energy, so we're only going to play you nine minutes a game. Um, like, I think that kind of happened. But since we were already skeptical about his treatment of the young players, it just became a very big deal. I mean, it was it was a big deal oh, but yeah. it was it was not what was the final nail in the coffin for dave haxtall it was the treatment of ghost that was the the nail in the coffin um, i think we got past it because that was like Did November. Though. Absolutely <laughs> not. Who's like, we? You may have gotten past like, it. Nobody else like, has. After, I still haven't. I still ha- like. I'm still there. I'm still like, living there. After right it now. happened in November, he comes back and all right, we're good to go. And then he scratches him another five times. Did he scratch a bunch in February? Yeah. I think? Did he? Yeah. yeah. I think so. I think like was, this was more than once. Yeah, there were two stretches of scratchings, I believe. Really? Yes. Yeah. I've blocked that out of my mind entirely. No, there was a That's lot. Why you're well, considering such a happy life. Yes, considering you forget what you say after you say it, it's not terribly after surprising. I say it <laughs> as you're saying. It. I don't know what I'm saying as I say. It. So Travis Konechny, the 24 goals, 23 assists in his sophomore season. We all know the splits. We were all there. It was the Festivus party, that Columbus game. I think was it in one of your articles I read, Charlie, like or maybe one of your tweets where you said, "Like I just keep coming back to that yeah. December 23rd." No, was, I, game. I tweeted that today, yeah, because yeah. I'm I'm writing up Connectney season review. I think I'm probably that the review tomorrow or the next day. But like it was like the fifth time where where I'm going through the uh, like his usage and his tra- trajectory with regards to his line mates. It was like the fifth time where the player had a massive massive shift on the 23rd because it was all the big names like. Everybody got optimized on that game. Ghost with Provorov, connecting on the top line. Patrick got given Voracek. It was just that one game where it's like, hey, we're fun we now. We did it! We did it! <laughs> and we had the party that night. So it was yeah. like, oh my God, he did it for us. It's a Festivus miracle. It is a miracle. <laughs> and, no airing of the grievances tonight, Dave. And of course, they lost that game. But for the rest of the season, it was a, hey, look at what happened from there. And did it, they lose? I was very lost. I think they lost in a shootout. I think shootout. it was a shootout. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. That yeah. is exactly what happened. And we, we look at it from there and go, things went pretty well from that point on in the season. Well, that's what's super interesting about Connect Me season last year is you can point at that game Mm -hmm. and that was the game at which the top line became the best version of itself and then you can look at when he took him off and replaced him with Michael Roffel that everything went to shit again and it's like (laughs) Dave that was because if you went to I forget what I was using maybe natural stat trick where you can put in actual dates yeah like not just game but you can put in the actual date and connect these five on five scoring numbers were the same as Taylor Hall and Nathan McKinnon yeah like he was an MVP candidate in the second scoring level from that point on and I think he only had like 10 points before that he had 13 13 in his first 38 games 34 in his final 43 and it's important to note he did that without top power play unit time so basically all those points were coming either five on five or in overtime or at four on four like that second unit never scored so he got all of his points at even strength so do are we all granted the uh, last year did not end well the loss to pittsburgh and hackstall just playing like i don't know scrabble with his lines (laughs) or something just throwing stuff up in the air do we expect him opening night in vegas Travis Connect the RW one right. He's gotta be. Yeah, that's my feeling too. Unless unless <laughs> they try JVR up there and put Konechny with Patrick and Voracek? I they could, but that would involve moving Drew to right side. Yeah. Which, which I guess they seen, could do. Done. Which I've seen suggested like in the last 48 hours. Well, but if you don't have to, why? Yeah, that's why not just have these lines? Like, we know that top line works. Yeah. Just put it back together. And we know Patrick and Voracek work. Right. So let's just put the goal scorer with them. Yeah. yeah like, it's, it's very easy. This, you don't have to overcome. Hey, you know how this. Lindblom created a bunch of chances but didn't finish? JVR's we number one finish. Skill is finishing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all he does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All he does is finish. He's the worst lover ever. He just finishes. <laughs> selfish. God damn. But sometimes you just need selfish, oh, you God. know? 
Patrick, Patrick and Voracek, they're your they're, foreplay they're get, guys. They're getting a little too fancy, getting a little too cute. You just need someone to score. The neutral that's zone. It. The neutral zone. BSH Radio <laughs> offseason, ladies and gentlemen. The neutral zone, that's your foreplay. So, and that's that's Voracek and Patrick territory. You just got to get go. it in sometimes, yeah. guys. got to get can't. it in. So, but like, oh boy. okay, what the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> Travis Konechny at RW1. We're talking uh, about so he, sex. <laughs> so he's on line one, we're thinking, to start the year. He has to be. If he is, and if he stays on line one for most of the year, what's his ceiling? Like, how many points could he yeah, put Yeah, is up? he like a 75-point player? Like, is that, I, probably. It's so nice. good that we're not on Facebook tonight. <laughs> no, I, I don't know, though. That's the thing. Like, yeah. I don't think – I think during the second half, he – he scored on like 18% of his shots. And, you know, we can go back to the beginning of the year where Bill was swore that he didn't have an NHL quality shot. He worked on it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, fam. <laughs> yeah. They all do. They do. But, but. You specifically, apparently. <laughs> even even if his shot did improve, I don't think he's going to continue to score at an 18%, 18% rate. 18% seems a bit So, high. like, that's probably going to go down. But you would think that he's still going to score a fair amount of points if he stays with that top line. So, you know, the rest... I think he's going to shoot at 12%, Charlie. I mean, his full season was 13, so I, I could say it. I don't think it's crazy. Yeah. So, like, if he stays with the top line, 55, 60 points more? Like, I don't know. It, it, it'll be cool to see if they actually stick with that top line. And, and, and it works, and it keeps working. Yeah, I'd say about 60 points. Optimistically, 70, but that's very optimistic. Yeah. Um, 60 points for a winger? In his third season, I'm not mad at it. I'm not upset about oh, that. Uh, uh, anything over sixty is what I'm looking I mean, for. Anything over him. fifty, and I'm happy um, with yeah, it. To be I'd, be, I'd be happy with over fifty. Yeah. My question: Now that he's a third-year player, now that we're kind of depending on him as a first liner. Granted, that first line you have Drew and Couturier. I mean, the two best forwards on the team. Konechny uh, benefits from playing with them absolutely. Can should we now? be counting on him to help turn around this non-existent second power play unit. Because in my mind, it's Couturier, Konechny, Simmons, Provorov, Sanheim is your second unit. So you're you're moving Simmons off top unit for KBR. Yeah. yeah I, am too. I, I think Patrick I would, is just yeah. I think Patrick just gives you so much more. Yeah. And with the those number of centers uh and no more Philpola, I think Couturier has to move. And with J V R, like that's his spot. So yeah. lefty. I, uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, it'd be interesting. I just, that's just what I see happening. It could go any number of ways. But to, can we count on Travis Konechny to kind of help and Provorov as well? We talked about him. We'll talk about Sanheim in a few minutes. But these young kids that we're counting on, it's how much can they grow? What are we expecting from them? Can we expect Travis Konechny to push this second power play to some level some, of competency? Something. Yeah. yeah I just be nice. Though, it's Stop. such a low bar that they, yeah. it, it's like it has to get better with that. It's, this know, top unit, personnel. when it's good, scores at about 20%, which is good for any power right. play. If the second unit just scored every now and then, this would be an elite power play team. Can he help that happen? I hope so. It's funny because in past years, I feel like the the narrative coming from Flyers HQ is that, well, you guys should stop complaining about the second unit because it's not on the ice that much anyway. Like, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't score that much. But ever since the JVR signing... I'm sorry. So, I, so, sorry. I wish we were on Facebook sorry. right now. So, so, so was... Bill has like a cold brew next to his uh, next to his uh, his tablet, and he put the cap on it, and then like out of nowhere, the cap up. just jumped it's off. It's a screw on cap, and it just like popped <laughs> off. Like, Wait, it was, well, there are ghosts in it's here. It's completely uncarbonated. I am shocked. That was <laughs> anyway. I saw it out of the corner of my eye. I had no Power idea. Power the, the, the point I was making was that ever since they signed JVR, Hextall has said on numerous occasions that they want this to help power play too. So maybe now. Now they're finally focused on improving that awful second unit because it was really bad again last year. It was really bad the previous year. Yeah, you would think, right? You'd think they're they're adding so much more talent to the mix and the young guys are getting better that eventually the second power play unit has to score a little bit. And maybe that attitude shift is a big deal too because I think you've mentioned in the past that the attitude towards power play two seems to be just get warm bodies on the ice to let power play one rest so they can get back out and do what they do. So maybe if they focus a bit more on power play two being more than just a placeholder to kill time and not get scored on while the other unit is resting. Yeah, I, like, I, don't, I don't, I don't think that that's, I think that that used to be the focus in the overtime power. Cause like once the first unit leaves a power, leaves the power play, it's, 
probably not coming back on, like unless there's like a last minute, like a last minute face off in the last ten seconds. I just don't think they've been able to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, and that's like okay, your second unit doesn't score that much. Probably every second unit doesn't score that much not to actually much. get outscored. Like the second, <laughs> all five guys with nobody from power play one on the ice, they were minus. That can't happen. Seems bad. That's nonsense talk. Less than ideal. <laughs> like, like that's comical. It, that, like that's Ottawa Senators shit. It's not good. All right, All move right. on. Yeah, Nolan Patrick. Here we go. A tale Our of two, perfect baby boy. A tale of two seasons. The guy, I guess. I, I, this is it, the story of Patrick and JVR together is just so interesting to me. Like, humor me for a second, if you will. I might. JVR, just going back to 07, not talking about anything that has happened since draft day in 2007, but go back there. Mm-hmm. Getting the JVR with the second overall pick is thought of as some of the worst luck in Philadelphia sports history with Patrick Kane at number yeah. one and the Flyers go 22 and 60 and somehow the fifth worst team in Chicago gets the first overall pick. Fuck Chicago. The Flyers lost 60 games that year and get JVR as a consolation prize. Fast forward a decade. You get Nolan Patrick, the consensus number one, when you should have been picking 13. It's just a very interesting dynamic, and now JVR's back, and they're probably going to be playing together. I find it very fun, but Nolan Patrick, rookie season, tale of two years. He's we, We've gone over it ad nauseum at this point. He's hurt. He's adjusting. All it's a the concussion. St- yeah, gets hurt again. Like halfway through, what? Halfway through November, I think he got hurt. The yeah, concussion. I think so. Is that when it was? Early, I think so, yeah, yeah. early to early, November. Yeah, something, like, something that. like that. So he's dealing with all this stuff, and then catches fire. Looks like a good player. Gets that bump up at the end of the year to power play one. Is turning into the guy we thought we drafted at number two. Where does he go from here? Um, up, baby. Yep, that's about it. So. We're looking for him to have a full season like the second half of last season. Be be that guy who was the consensus number one pick for years. And he can do it. I, I have no doubts that he can do it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's actually conservative to to think that and I think this is the right way to look at it, but I think it's conservative to say that Nolan Patrick's 2018-19 season will be the second half of last year extrapolated over a full 82 game season because this is the first off season in like three, four years where Nolan Patrick has not been recovering from surgery. Yeah. yeah. So he will actually be able to yeah. try to improve as a player rather than just tread water because he's recovering yeah. from a surgery. And like recovering from a misdiagnosed mistreated somehow like a surgery that apparently didn't go all that well because it had to be repaired. Like, yep, uh, he had a lot go wrong for him yeah. in the years leading up to still being the consensus number one, eventually falling to number two. Lucky for us, um, incredibly yeah. lucky for us. Like one of the only good things that has ever happened in my life. I like this here. Mike Johnson and NHL Network called Nolan Patrick his number one breakout player for 2018-19. That was cool to see. That I was- think. Well, yeah, he's got to be though. He's up there. I just, I think it was cool to see him to be viewed as number one yeah. because, like, there's a lot of breakout candidates yeah. out there, and it's That's like, fair. hey, Nolan Patrick, this guy could explode next year. And I think it boils down to the combination of you get second half Nolan Patrick plus a full off season of workouts and actually trying to improve as a player, and give him JVR, and give him JVR and Voracek for a full year. Like, this is this is exciting stuff. This leads me to my question though: is that we're all excited about Nolan Patrick? Second overall pick, showed a lot, full off season of, of, of training and, and not having to worry about recuperating, better line mates. Is it fair to the player to expect this massive leap, considering that he's still only 20 years old? I was actually thinking about this. If he doesn't take that massive leap, if he's just kind of flat or maybe only slightly better from last season, are people going to see that as some kind of disappointment? Yes, Absolutely. If, if he's flat from last um, season, if he still only has thirty points as I a as a two C, that would be a problem. But like, but like, what if he finishes with forty? Like, are, P, are people going oh, to be severely line. disappointed? That's the, that's the line. Line. 40, Yeah. <laughs> and no, I was going to make the comparison to Couturier in that 
Uh, so his rookie year shows a lot of promise. Elite defensive forward, you know, has the big offensive breakout in that first round series against the Penguins, has that hat trick, uh, all that stuff. We're like, oh, man, this guy's going to be great. And then there's a lockout. And he's playing in the AHL, and both he and Braden Shen are just going wild yeah, down there yeah. scoring. And then season kicks off. Sean Couturier is not the guy we thought we were going to see in his second year with all the scoring he did in the AHL. He's just still not that guy. Like, with that break breakout second half and you have it right here seven points in 29 games in 2017 23 and 44 in 2018 so that's a huge leap in points per game from just you know first half of the season to the second half um there is some there is some reason for there is some room for disappointment however i like if he doesn't come out right away and dominate i'm going to be sitting there thinking this kid still has plenty of I'm yeah. not going to be upset you know I'm going to yell on the show <laughs> because that's <laughs> oh, what, what you do yeah and say we need more out of Nolan Patrick fully expecting to get it at some point right that's the like I it will take so, a lot for me to be actually disappointed in someone Nolan someone clip this and record it <laughs> so we can play it back in six months oh I'll say if he's giving him nothing like he gave them nothing through the first half of last season well, I don't think he's ever going to be yeah. as ineffective as he was from October through November so. something, December ever again something i like about this season is there's no safety net dave haxtell isn't gonna go scott lawton's our 2c you know even mm-hmm. yuri latera i really doubt gets don't, to play don't, don't tempt him there's no God way. Damn it. Do <laughs> there's not. absolutely why no would way. you even put that be- there was absolutely no way that he would promote tyrell goldborn from the ah. ahl and play him okay even then, that would like oh Goldborn didn't get to play with Drew. He played three shifts a game. I'm just saying, like, there was no way that that was going to happen. And now you're saying to see your Laterra. That, that's what I'm saying. Well, it's God, not going to be Lawton. It is not going to be Laterra. So even if Patrick struggles, the coach pretty much has to keep him there and let so him work it out. Here's the thing: there is a safety net. It's a safety net that nobody really wants to talk about because it's taboo. The safety net is Claude Giroux. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. They could always, they could move him back to center. Oh yeah, I, I think if, if they're struggling in the first part of the season, big time, we might see him. The sa- that's that's back. what the yeah. safety net is, and mm-hmm. that's that's when we can point at the season and be like, all right, shit's bad. The shit has hit the fan because he just he he Dave Haxtall just split up Sean Couturier and Claude Giroux, and, and I think it takes monumental. Like after they it, didn't do it, it after would, the ten game losing streak. Yeah, they're and that to me, it would, it would have yeah. to be really that's bad. True. It would have to yeah. be really bad for it to happen. That to me is the that's the line in the sand. There, you lost ten in a row, and that was the one thing that was staring you in the face, and you didn't change it. And you lost ten in a row. Primarily, well, not not primarily, but a big reason why you lost ten in a row is because you literally had one good center, and his yeah. name was Sean Gattari. Mm-hmm. Valtteri Filippo wasn't scoring; he was still semi-effective, but he wasn't scoring. Patrick was barely an NHL caliber player during November when he was playing, and Lawton and, got hurt. and Lawton was fine in terms of his underlying stuff, but he couldn't score either. Yeah, so they really only had the one center, and they still kept Drew away. So, like, I I guess it's a possibility. I just think it's going to have to take. Like Sean Couturier getting injured for an extensive amount of time for Giroud to be the yeah, center. I could see that. That's knock on wood immediately. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Because, doesn't do oh anything. boy, we cannot afford Sean Couturier getting injured. No, he's, I mean, he's the 1C, like Charlie said. one Number 1C, is the, that's what everyone's looking for. That's the thing you need. The Flyers found one last year. If you lose him for quite a bit of time, you're in a lot of trouble. I, out of Nolan Patrick next year... I expect, so we got 30 points this year. I kind of expect him to double it. And I I don't think that that's completely outrageous, especially if he gets some first power play time. Yeah, I think the power play time is the key. And I I don't think they're going to put him on top unit. I really really don't. I think it's either going to, I think, Either they're going to put Simmons back there, or do you think moving him up there was an acknowledgement of Simmons being hurt? Yes. Okay. Yes, I think. So if I, he's I healthy, think Simmons gets first crack. If at he's power healthy, play that's his spot. Yeah, okay. I, I could see them going with a Simmons JVR duo on the top unit mm-hmm. and then dropping Couturier down. But there's a lot of things they can do. I just I don't think they're going to put Patrick on the top unit. But hey, you never know. We'll see. And if he's on the second unit again. Do we expect that to improve the second unit? Would as hope so. he improves, it would have to. As hope he so. improves, 
I mean, if he's doing my the thing that I want most, the reason I want him on the top unit is not only is he a big body in front and clearly have good hands around the net for deflections and those you know blind passes and all the things that he can do, but he can also distribute from below the goal line. And that's something I'm very interested in seeing happen, whether it's just another look on the Giroux power play or running his own unit. I just really want to see that happen a lot. I think sixty points is fair. Uh, that's high end to but see. Again, again, but again, same, same with uh, Travis Konechny. If he gets fifty, I'm fine. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'd hoping for fifty. 50 yeah. I'm hoping for fifty. Um, my expect if he gets less than forty, I'll be disappointed. If yeah. he gets yeah. fifty, I'll be excited. If he gets sixty, I'll be jumping up and down. He's, yeah, I mean, sixty yeah. points is high end to see. Yeah. yeah, like that's and that's what we want him to be eventually. Yep. If he gets there now, it's a it's it's a Provorov deal, like we were saying. Someone who might be challenging at some point for this top spot yeah. on the top twenty five under twenty five list. Yeah, if he is all of a sudden, yeah, he's a two C, but is he better than Sean Couturier? <laughs> and then what, we have a fun argument. What if he played with Drew? Would he be like? And then what yes, a problem that to would have. actually be a really fun argument to have. <laughs> it's not like well, it's not like me yelling about how maybe Braden Manning is useful just in a different role. Oh God. Like it's actually right. talking about good players. Can we never talk about <laughs> that never man again. ever again? Speaking of arguments that maybe aren't fun, but they're definitely arguments. Travis Sandheim, everybody. Travis Sandheim. Oh, my dearest Travis. The most, it's the guy who everyone, like, I'm just crossing my fingers. I am staying as optimistic as possible with Sandheim. I am expecting his usage to be a lot like his namesake, Travis Konechny's. The Travi. Yeah, I am, like, after the controversial rookie season, it's just, go get him, kid. Like, oh, yeah, you're a second pair defenseman now. With Andrew McDonald, buddy. (laughs) Well, you know what? Someone has to do it. And and it's it's honestly better that it's this guy. The pair worked. It did work. Yeah, I think think that that's exactly it. I think he got um, his rookie hazing ritual out of the way, and that's, you know, the Dave Haxtall. He got hacked. Uh, I think that he is going to be on the roster this year. It, it, I, I, if I think about it too much, it'll keep me up at night. So I just have to go with, yeah, he's going to be on the he's roster. He's right. got to be. The only way I see him missing the, and I think he's going to be on it. The only he's way I see him be on the roster. The only way I see him missing the roster is if because they, they they can't they can't demote Haig without sending him through waivers. So theoretically, like I guess if Myers, I guess th- there's at least a chance that like if Myers so dramatically outplays Sandheim that Sandheim gets sent down for Myers. I don't think it's going to happen, but I guess that's like the only way it could because I don't think they're demoting any of the vets. Or maybe they keep a defenseman. I don't. I, I think he's making the team. I think it's, he think it's close to a lock. I'm not going to believe that he's making the team until he makes the team. Fair. I mean, he did. He, he's yeah, he already made, made the year. team. I know, but then he didn't. True. Because well, he, Dave didn't play him. He right. made the team, and then Dave sat him, and then Hextall sat him down. Because why would you have him wasting away in the press box? I don't. But don't, the toys are gone. Like that's what I'm thinking now. Is all the other toys are gone? I know. Yeah, but now he's got this new bro. There's yeah. no way he falls in love with some guy who like barely isn't there though. Isn't there? <laughs> I mean, is no. there no way, William? Like, I as think a, there's like, a way. Just Sandheim's skill set. You need a oh, second pair. Yeah, you it was there last year too. You functioned without one for so long. You have to. And this is my. And I guess I'll just get to it now to get this out of the way because this was a tweet from one of our pals, Flyers Puck Sauce, that I think is really. Um, I think it's really important about this year because it's the thing that comes up most. Can, can you actually pull it up? Oh, no. no. Damn it. You're right. <laughs> I can. Well. <laughs> Give me one second because you have it. The gist was. I will, I will read yeah. it. So it was Jordan Hall from NBC Sports Philly said, which flyer do you think needs to take the biggest step? And him and John Bork and Tom Docker gave their picks. And then Flyers Puck Sauce quote tweeted and said, Dave Haxtell, period. There are no more excuses. That's, and that's what it comes down to now is you have you no longer have the excuse you don't have the pieces. Because while you were making bad decisions before, it did kind of seem sometimes like dropping a bucket decisions. Like, okay, yeah, but Andrew McDonald still has to play. Like, you know, yes, this is just no, what we have. No, the fuck he doesn't. Like, this is just what we have. I'm sorry. No, the fuck he doesn't. You do not have to play Andrew McDonald just because he's there. Yeah, the, that, I think that was the case the year before last. Last, last year, yeah. it was active bad decisions that were hurting yes. the team. Absolutely. The, but that's the guy who needs to improve the most to me because, he, like Flyers Puck Sauce said, 
And like we've been saying. No, this is a time where you are now out of excuses. So yeah. the guy who I need to see the most improvement out of is the coach because your toys have been taken away. It seems as if every idiot with an internet connection can optimize this lineup to my liking. Like, why can't you? So what are we looking at in terms of the defense next year? So Provorov ghost, hopefully Sanheim McDonald, and then Gudis Haig. Yeah, or, San, or Sanheim Gudis McDonald Haig with uh, full in as the three. Yeah. Sanheim... Just like, yeah, basically, I assume Sanheim's either going to be with McDonald or Gudis. One of those two. Yeah. yeah. And I hate to say it because I'm a Gudis fan and I'm not an Andrew McDonald fan, but Andrew McDonald is better with the puck yeah, than, than, yes, than Gudis. The Sanheim McDonald pair worked. I mean, yeah. The Sanheim Gudis pair no. worked too. Um, it just, well, it got outscored, but the underlying numbers were fantastic. My issue is a third pair. Of hey Gudis, no one can handle the puck. It's a grenade, mm-hmm. and at least Andrew McDonald, while he's not like a puck moving defenseman, can like have it on his stick and complete an eight foot pass. Like I, I just, I don't know. That third pair is scary to me. While I think probably the best duo is Sanheim McDonald, I don't. That third pair could just be absolutely atrocious in breaking the puck out. I still have a lot of faith in Robert Haig. I think that he can he can pull it together. I'm I just, the only one that does, but I I think that he. Can oh, I. Do I it. just don't think they would put Haig and Sanheim on a pair together. No. So uh, I no. mean, it's two you know two second year they guys. They really consider him like a veteran, though. Yeah, maybe. And they like that he can play the right side. He's left-handed. Yeah. But they've experimented with Haig on the right side, and they've liked it. So if you're looking at oh well, it's Gudis because he's right-handed. Uh, same thing with McDonald. They've shown that he's shown that he can play the right side. So I think it's an option, but most likely Sanheim is with one of the two quote unquote vets. Yeah, I would think so. It, the thing with Sanheim too is that like we talked last week about teams with a, a wide range of possible outcomes. Like to me, Sanheim, the wide he's got such a wide range of possible outcomes. Like, if you told me that Travis Sanheim basically this year took his great underlying numbers from last year, repeated them, but this time didn't have really bad puck luck and the goals didn't all go in against him when he was on the ice and play like a first-pair defenseman, I would be like, yeah, I could totally see that. I could also see him ending up as the seven and not being used because he gets on Dave Haxel's bad side again. So, like, I don't know how the season is going to play out, yeah. but because it, it could really play out in one extreme or the other, and that's what makes him such a fascinating player for me. Like, I don't think Nolan Patrick is it's possible for him to have to go back to being as bad as he was in the first half of last year. Mm-mm. So I don't think his floor, it would take an injury. I don't think his floor is that low. Whereas Sanheim, whether it's by fault of his own or not, I could see his floor being very low, but I could also see his floor being very high, which makes him a fascinating player to pay attention to. Robert Haig, who you just mentioned, and we've talked about pretty extensively with his RFA uh, status and all that. Yeah, and but they, that contract is yeah. still unsigned. So that'll He's be... still just 23. He had nine points last year. It seemed as if the coach really loved him, and then at the end of the year, all of a sudden, he kind of... He didn't anymore. He, yeah, he kind of found himself uh, on the outs. So what do we... Steph said you're Steph, you said you're well, kind of the one who really believes in Robert Haig. So he, what are you expecting from him in his second season? Well, he said that he was injured. Like he said okay. that yeah, he was he banged was, up at the end. He was injured towards the end of the year. So that's the I mean, he said it. They all are. That yes, but he said that that's why he wasn't playing. Uh, uh, that's all well and good. I'm just saying what happened was he was out of the lineup after it seemed as if he had really gained the coach's confidence. Because he was hurt. Yes, well, I, well, I I think he was he was hurt, but he it was more like he wasn't 100%, but I think he was probably like 90. Like, I don't think this was a case of him being 60% and they were just keeping him out because, like, he I'm was... I'm just going by what he said. He, he, said, think... he said he was banged up. I didn't, he, I, he didn't imply that, like, that was why he was out of the line. What do you think Robert Haig's ceiling is since you are the premier Robert Haig fan of this group? I think his ceiling is probably a second pair defenseman. He's a good skater. He's a really good skater. If he can, if he's paired with a puck mover, he's fine. So yeah, I would like to see him supplant a Gudis or a McDonald on that second pair with Sandheim. Nothing would make me happier than to see him supplant him. I just—he's got a good shot too. He's just not a, a good puck mover. And that's what I want—I just want to see him improve with the puck on his stick. That's yeah. what I want to see happen. And in that case, I will very much be in your camp of let's see more of this kid. Let's continue see seeing him grow. He's earned that ice time. I have this really weird thing with Robert Haig and. 
it, it may not make sense as I'm as I'm about to explain it out loud, but his first year in the AHL was was rough. It was a rough year, and we thought that he was going to be a bust pretty immediately. It looked like a bad pick that it, first it looked, season. It looked bad, and then he started taking to the coaching and listening to what they were telling him. And it's gotten better since. I have this feeling that he is just listening and absorbing everything that Dave Haxtell is saying and playing exactly how Dave Haxtell is telling him that he wants him to or how he is interpreting Dave Haxtell uh, praising other players. I, I just I have this thing that I, I think that he's just doing it because of Hackstall. And it makes sense in that when you look back on that first AHL season, the things that were said about him, not assertive enough, maybe isn't taking to the coaching. You well, see it, was, the, it was the second. I, I don't the first year I think was like he was young for his the age. It was the second AHL season that was the total disaster. He was injured for one of them. Was that the first one that he was It might have been the first one he was banged up a, a little bit. The second one I remember being the real disaster. And then the third one was when he bounced back dramatically. I just Because right. it was a thing. I remember it was a thing before he even played in the AHL. And then it carried over. Ah, oh, we don't know if he's assertive enough. And now, as we've all made fun of, you know, led the league in hits and all that stuff. So it just seems as if, yes, he did take to the coaching and after hearing the criticism of himself, said, okay, I am just going to do exactly what they asked me to do because that's my path yeah. to the NHL and played, that's, it's, played it's, yeah. 70 NHL games last year, so clearly it worked. That's just It's just this feeling that I have, and I've got no proof on either side. Charlie, what do you think his ceiling is, and what do you think his chances of reaching it are? Um, I mean, I want to see – I'm with you. I want to see him move the puck better. I, I want to see him do less of the off the glass and out. Uh, passes in the defensive zone where it's just get it out. You know, first read is just get it out of the, into the neutral zone and let the other team have the puck back. Yeah, I mean, there's upside there. Absolutely, the physical tools are there. You know, we we joke about the hits, but you know, hits aren't inherently bad. You know, they're they're better than the alternative. Especially if you're separating from, the guy from the separating puck. Separating the guy from the puck is good. Yeah, and he's a he's a pretty good skater and. In the offensive zone, he's shown some good instincts at times. He's had some good goals. I don't know, it, like. I'm not expecting him to hit it, hit him to hit his perceived ceiling, but I'm certainly not ruling it out because it's not like he's a grossman from a physical skill yeah. standpoint. Hinkle, five. Excellent. I think his ceiling is a five. And if you have a good homegrown, which is not yeah. a bad thing, I think when you say that about a defenseman, people just assume that you think you think he's shitty. But I don't think he's a crappy defenseman. I just think. He's a has a third pair defenseman, which and, you need. And you, when you hit on anything after the first round, if you get a contributor in any round after the first, it doesn't matter what their role is or any. If you get a contributor, that's good. Like I, it's I, I'm fine with him only being a five if he's a good homegrown option. And this is kind of a conversation I had on Twitter this week. People like. Uh, why do we hype up these guys with, you know, bottom six potential like Nicholas Albe Kubel? Like, I don't think it's hyping them up. It's saying, hey, this is something we've always missed is effective role players. That's we've had these. Like, yeah. You don't want to have to go and buy Dale Weiss because yeah. you think he might score you 12 goals in your third line. If you can just have that and he's even better than that guy you had to go out and buy. Like, that's the difference between uh. a deep team. I mean, yes, there definitely is something to people hyping up bottom six players. There is absolutely something there. But someone being a contributor is not a bad thing. It's not bad. If your ceiling is a a three or four and you're playing five or six, that's a good team. That's a good team. And this is not a bad problem to have. Yeah. And like we've always said, for example, somebody like Michael Roffel on a great team is a bottom sixer. Yeah. He's a damn good bottom sixer and he can play further up the lineup. And that's like when we when I say like Nick, Nicole Cabell, I think is a bottom sixer in the NHL. Like I'm envisioning him as like the Michael Roffel type yeah, bottom sixer exactly. where you could put him on the first line because he's skilled enough to do it. But ideally, he's on your third or fourth line. All right, let's just wrap this up. I hate that we've got to rush this one. I know. I think that this is one that we, it's an we have interesting a lot to one. say. It's an interesting one. It's Oscar Lindblom. I, so I, I don't know what to expect from him this season. So With, he turns 22 soon. Um, we expect him to be on the third line. Now that JVR is here. Right. Um, and he did, he did okay in the NHL you know he didn't when he first came over and he was playing in the AHL he didn't light it up but 
that's really not the type of player that he is. He is more of a two-way defensive style player who just is is always in the right place at the right time and, and gets a ton of scoring chances. Um, Charlie, I swear to God, I'm not reading the words that you wrote, but <laughs> they just happen to be the same. Yeah, but we're just thinking type of He one. seems yeah. to be a because guy. Because that's just the kind of player that yeah. he is. Um, Being in the right place is a skill. It like, is. That's how he seems to accumulate his points, and the points weren't there last year. He had six. Um, he seemed to get really worn down in the playoffs, but it was a long year for him in the NHL playoffs against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion. Not an easy thing for a rookie with, what, 20 couple 23 games under his belt, whatever the hell yeah, it was. something like that. Like, it was, it was a he's struggle actually, He's actually him. still Calder eligible because he, yeah. he played less than 25 oh, games. that'll be so good. It'll be like, <laughs> ben, be like Ben Simmons winning all over again. Um, oh, do we do we expect that kind of season out of no, him? No. I don't. No, especially now uh, with the JVR signing, it looks like I'm guessing he's going to be playing with, like, Simmons and Scott Lawton. Uh, no, or, or, or question mark. Yeah. yeah, or Morgan Frost or Yuri Laterra or me or one of you guys, <laughs> whoever the three C is going to end up being. It's not quite the same as playing with Jacob Voracek and Nolan Patrick. Right. You can't expect the same production out sure. of them. I want to see the kid contribute on special teams, the penalty kill especially. I'm told he's a good penalty killer. Well, we're a bad penalty killing team, so I want to see you do yeah, that. I, I yeah. wonder about the penalty kill thing because, like, yes, he's smart. Yes, he's good defensively. Yes, he's great along the boards. But the thing we screened about the penalty kill last year was like, slow. why the hell are they using Yuri Laterra and Valtteri <laughs> Philpel, the two slowest forwards of the yeah. team on the penalty kill? Lindblom is not fast. No. So it's kind of the same problem. Like, I like him more than those but guys. But if he can but, win battles, which Valtteri yeah. Philpel couldn't because his body was shot, like, that's good. And if he's out there... With, Don't uh, tell Lou that. Yeah. <laughs> if, he's at, if he's out there with guys who can skate, maybe it's not as big of a deal. But yes, one of the big problems with the penalty kill, especially last year, was it was so slow. And he is not the fastest skater. Yeah. What, what do we... Do we expect? Does uh, he play on power play two? I think. Do you expect him to get any sort of? I think he gets pushed off power play two because of the JVR addition. Mm-hmm. I'm hope, I'm hoping for like 25, 30 points. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, sure. same. I I would even say you know last year I said I'd be happy with twenty points out of Jordan Wheel. Like if we get twenty twenty five out of Oscar Lindblom, that'd be okay. Yeah, I want to see him do good, you know, good underlying numbers, just like the the, the 23 game stint at the end of the year. Drive play, turn, help turn that third line to a good third line with, with with whatever center they give him, and chip in with some points. You know, score around the net, and maybe get some power play time when guys get hurt. But I, I don't think he's part of the top 10 guys now with JVR involved. Yeah. No, but you never so know. Either. You never know. We'll see. And that is all that so you have a giveaway. Oh, oh we never randomized it. No, you. <laughs> What you? It was yeah, your giveaway. I know. I never randomized okay. the thing, and we're not. I said I would do it live on Facebook. Since we're not uh, live right. on okay. Facebook next, and week. I never randomized the thing, <laughs> so I didn't do that. Uh, we'll get to it. Uh, All right, next we'll week. do it live on Facebook next week. Yeah. There's still time. Go over to bsh underscore radio and retweet the tweet that says to retweet. <laughs> <laughs> that was. As it's for, what, for the free book, right? Yeah, yeah, it's for that book. Yeah, the uh, if, if these, these walls, walls could, could talk. talk, the uh, who, Lou Nolan and Sam Carcidi's yeah. book. Yeah, giving away a copy of that. So retweet the thing, you get a chance to win. Follow too. I'm on to you people, and you're cheating. That <laughs> is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're not on Facebook, so not no thank you for hanging out. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. 
It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. (laughs) 